don't know the word Scott? Welcome to America, friend. Learn music. Welcome to another episode of the Rudy Librarian Podcast. I am your host, the Rudy Librarian himself, Brian. Yay! All right, well, I am super excited to be back. And guys, I can't wait to talk uh, about this band, talk to these guys, this guy's from this, this guy's, this guy from this band, uh, because uh, I'm, I'm talking to Abra Skadabra. And if you have not yet heard their new album, if you've not heard Abra Skadabra, it's killer. It's so good. There's, there's, uh, I, I, I've loved every band that I've interviewed. I've had the privilege to talk to a lot of phenomenal bands. Um, but I'm especially this album, when I put it on, man, from, from the first second, the whole album's killer. Um, thank you. <laughs> I, <laughs> you're welcome. I, uh, so who I'm talking to today is Troso, right? I said it right. Yeah. All right. I perfect. Said it, I said, thank you. I said it right. Uh, from Abrascadabra, and uh, I thought coming to this conversation, we, we were talking about this just a second ago. I thought coming to this conversation, I would be talking to you in Brazil because your band is based in Brazil, right? Yes, in yeah. uh, Curitiba, Curitiba, yeah, almost there. <laughs> trying to get there, <laughs> to go for it, yeah, go for it. It's uh, really good, but, it's really good. <laughs> but you are not in Curitiba, I am not in Curitiba, no. I have been a citizen of London for the last six years now. Uh, so I got, got a little, well, a little tired of how things go musically in Brazil. And I just thought I would experience something new and one of the best places I could be and the easiest ones because I do have an European passport as a lot of people do in, in the south of Brazil, especially. Uh, I could be here legally, so I came to try it, and I came to do uh, a mixing course for about three months, and it's been six years, so so it's pretty good uh, in here, and I can't complain. So getting back into uh, what we were talking about, I I, uh, I actually, when I saw that the band was from Curitiba, and I, I'm going to keep trying to say it right, um, I, it, it kind of tripped me out because I've got a buddy that lives there. All right, yeah. And... and uh, I don't have many friends in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, especially from Curitiba. Yeah, that's that's not. I mean, it's it's a big city all around. But yeah, it's about three million people in there. But yeah, it's not definitely not one of the most famous in Brazil, and it's not easy to find people who are from there. So that's really cool. And and uh, you saying it's not a huge city; it's got three million. Is is yeah. uh, I don't think many countries can understand that. <laughs> 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 yeah very true not a lot of countries with the kind of population that you guys have yeah so i'm gonna jump right into it because one of the first questions that i always like to ask any ska band uh and anybody that i talk to from a ska band is is how, how'd you get into ska and i don't know if it was different in brazil than it was in the u.s but for us ska was kind of like for for most people except the real like diehard ska fans the rude boys and rude girls that hung with it um ska especially ska punk you know the the it was a a couple a few years in the 90s and then it was gone and uh some people hung with it and and know that it never really went away but Mm -hmm. for the most part not a lot of people are in the ska scene here in the u.s so how how did you guys get into it and what's it like there in brazil well 
you're in London, well, but yeah, yeah, no, but, uh, yeah. I've lived basically most of my life inside the ska scene uh, or the ska punk scene or the punk scene, really, because from where we grew up around like the early early 2000s, there wasn't really a, a ska or a ska punk scene in Brazil. So we've always been a part. We've always been considered a part of the punk rock scene uh, in Brazil. So most of the shows we did. Uh, throughout the whole life of Fabris Cadabra has been with uh, punk bands. Um, and obviously, ska punk bands that would go and tour Brazil and we would play together. We played with most of the, you know, the big ska bands out there in Curitiba and sometimes in Sao Paulo, Rio, Porto Alegre as well. Um, but yeah, mainly, I, I could say that it, the ska and the ska punk scene, at least whilst we we were growing up, was quite inexistent to to be honest uh apart from this these bands that would go and play yeah there's not much to to say there was a a, a few bands in the 90s that were really big that they were part even of the the mainstream music in brazil a few bands there's one called scuba that was really big uh scamundongos and um yeah a few other bands that were really really famous on that time but that was a little bit before we were kind of into into music or we were old enough to recognize music and be a part of the scene. Uh, but the way we got into into ska was basically there was a label in uh, in Curitiba called Barulho Records, which is noise records. And what we would listen was basically dictated by whatever noise records would buy from, from outside, right? So um, I remember buying a lot of Pennywise and No Effects and No Fun at All and Millen Colin. And then at some point they just brought some Les and Jake, Goldfinger. Um, so Les and Jake and Goldfinger are probably the two that I remember the most of. I remember grabbing the CDs in my hands and looking to it like Hello Rockview. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Let's let's buy this and, and give it a shot. And the first, uh, the Goldfinger self-title as well, is, it's one of the, the albums that I've listened to the most in my whole entire life so, so yeah that's basically it um, and also I didn't know that was ska punk or today is considered more ska and ska punk than than probably on that time but I grew up listening to a lot of sublime because of some some cousins of mine and because of my brother but yeah I, I think it's just like something a bit weirder than the ska punk like then you know Godfinger and Lesson Jake and Real Big Fish which which came later on. So I never really associated them bands. I never really put them in the same kind of, you know, in the same kind of box because they didn't sound too much uh, like the same thing for me. And later on, then you just kind of learned that, okay, Sublime is considered a punk or one of the pioneers of Cap punk uh, per se. And then not, not much later than that, we had, you know, Napster and all those kinds of things. So so we did put our hands into like a few songs by Five Iron Frenzy, which I love to this day. Voodoo uh, Schools as well. Uh, and yeah, I think those are the bands that I remember the most from like the very early ska. First ska of all, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go. No, no, yeah, that, that, that's it. That's the end. <laughs> sorry, sorry, dude. Uh, I love that you mentioned Five Iron Frenzy. They're uh, one of my absolute favorite bands, and they were yes. probably the, one of the first, definitely one of the first ska bands that I got into. And I've mm -hmm. I've said a few times on this this podcast that 
I kind of got into Scott. I was, um, there was sort of a separate subgenre of like Christian rock and, mm-hmm. and Five Iron Frenzy and the Supertones and the Insiders were Ooh, like the awesome. only, the main ska bands for us. So those were the first ones I heard. And I really didn't get into a lot of those other great bands, Less Than Jake and Goldfinger, until I sort of dove back into ska. And so I've gotten this like treasure trove of like, 20 plus years of ska that i get all at once which is great nice but it's yeah. a lot to take in um and then there are other people that i think have been like man give me more we've been you know we've been on this album since day one so uh that's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of I'm, I'm just glad that you mentioned a lot of those bands i love uh a lot of the bands that you're talking about yeah. do you do you remember kind of what your first ska concert was Yes, I remember it very vividly, and it was Voodoo Glow Schools. I think it was 2002, maybe 2001. But I will never forget how the trombone player used to play the trombone, like he was like very aggressively, like he was trying to punch someone or something. I just looked at that and I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. I love this guys, and it was like so expressive. Uh, I think that that. Their live show is it's it's an experience. It's a musical. It's an amazing musical experience, because there's a lot of a lot of you know passive aggressiveness to it, or like a peaceful aggressiveness to it, because the music is so rhythmic and, and and so involving, and it just makes you jump the whole way through. And I know you, you can't stop looking at them because the visuals and the sound and everything in the show was was just amazing, and the masks and and the brass instruments. I was just like. I was just amazed by by the whole thing, and it's definitely one of the things that got me into Sky was going into that gig, and probably the week after that gig, uh, I was there with Eduardo, which is a guitar player and and vocalist uh, for Abiscadabra, and probably the week after that gig, we started playing Sky together. I used to play the drums, and he used to play the guitar, and we just learned a few songs by Voodoo and 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 Les and Jake and Goldfinger and Real Big Fish and just started playing Scott straight away. There's some, there's something about seeing a great band live <laughs> that you're just like, I got to do that. I got to do that, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's awesome. I have not yet seen Voodoo Glow School. Maybe one day I'll get oh, the opportunity. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. It great. sounds like a great, great show. <laughs> do you remember anyone that they played with? Did you say, did you say? Uh, I think, I think there were there was a, a band from Sao Paulo called Bud Spencer, I think, which was a ska band from the, the early 2000s from Brazil. So I didn't mention them before. Uh, I think that was the name of the of the band. Yeah, but there were local bands or Brazilian bands uh, supporting them. There wasn't any any other international band. Sure. Yeah. Well, I got to say that. <clears throat> obviously you have a new album out here and it's doing great and we're going to talk about that for sure but you're not and you're not a new band and uh i have friends that have been faithful to the ska scene from the 90s until now and uh one of my good buddies uh when i told him because i actually heard your new album before he did and i was like man have you heard this abracadabra track and he was like oh dude i love that band so like (laughs) already your old music he was into it so Tell, tell me a little bit about how you guys as a band got together in kind of the early days of Abracadabra. Yeah. Well, first of all, this is great to hear. Thank you for, for enjoying our music. And it's great that you got a buddy that have, have been listening to us for, for a long time now. Uh, so, yeah, as I said, I've met um, 
Eduardo and I, well, Buga, which is the other guitar player, and I, we are cousins, so we know each other since we were like four years old. Uh, so yeah, we used to go to the beach. He used to live in a, in a different town, but every summer we would meet in the same beach because our families used to go together. So we grew up, you know, like learning how to play like a Blink-182 song on a bass on, on the guitar, and then we'll get together in the summer and play some tunes. We used to love playing some uh, the Atari songs as well, uh, that kind of stuff. And so we kind of started playing together like that. And he joined my band with my brother when he moved to Curitiba, to our hometown. I was about 15, 14. And Abrascadabra started playing kind of about the same time. So Eduardo and I have met when we were like 13. And Maka, which is the drummer, and I, we met when we were like six years old or seven years old. So we were all very good friends from a very early age. Uh, and we all got into music kind of separately. And it was just weird that, that we met at this point when we were like 13 and 14 and we all had very similar musical tastes. Uh, so we just got together. I used to play the drums and Eduardo used to play the guitar and we started playing the songs. And then I started playing guitar because, because I knew Maka, which is a drummer, and then we knew another guy, um, which is the first bass player, Aomi, which is also friends with us since we were like 14 as well. So it's basically a, a high school project, ska punk band that, that exists until this day. Uh, our first gig was in, in the school break from our, um, I would say like ninth grade, 10th grade. Yeah, so 2002, in the break of one, one of the breaks of the school, we just played together the first, um, our first gig, and from there it was, it was just amazing. We we had a very, a very good time for for punk bands in Curitiba, in the early 2000s. Uh, very good bands coming out from there, and very good venues, venues that would support us. And I think it was just fun to see this these kids playing some some brass instruments and playing some punk rock and you know uh, so yeah we got we got a little bit of of recognition since since our very very early days uh, which was really cool yeah that's awesome that's that's a, that's it's so nice that uh you get you get a little favor from the beginning a little, little and and people appreciating you from the beginning so yep. so so to, I guess tell me a little bit about like uh, after you guys got together, you know, how, how, the music that you put out, the you know, the concerts that you played. Tell tell me a little bit about yeah. the, the the early days there. Yeah, so we uh, well we had two or three studios in Curitiba that used to record like punk bands. So we did the the very standard thing of of new bands. We just recorded uh, a demo with like four or five songs and just started distributing it around, you know, going to gigs and selling a little bit of them. And then we started playing these small festivals in Curitiba. Uh, then we put out a second demo and started playing a little bit of the bigger festivals in Curitiba. And then we started playing these nicer venues at some point and getting a little bit of a, a different crowd to to the shows as well. So it was a mixture in between the punk band and let's say a more like nightclub kind of kind yeah. of crowd as well. So yeah, the, the show started becoming like this, this very, 
this blend of of crowds and and it was very interesting to see that because obviously you had people who were in the mosh pit just you know like punching each other and then doing that kind of stuff and people who are there just to to watch some music without without going through all the on the thing uh but the thing that really got us on track was um so this this contest by um a brand called lost which is a clothing brand and they put out this contest in sao paulo and we went to the contest and we won the contest and the prize was a recording so uh, an album recording so we got like 100 hours in a very nice studio in sao paulo and obviously we got all the pro- the support from the promotion and clothing and photography and everything that the the clothing brand was was supporting us with as well uh, so I think that's when it really started to become kind of serious because, yeah, we were then coming out in like magazines and newspapers and, and blogs and that kind of stuff. And, and people were seeing that we were making something more professional and more serious. And I think that's when we got like a an extra boost of recognition, not only, uh, you know, a kids bands from from Curitiba. It's like we were getting serious by by then. What What year was that? It was 2011, the contest, and then that got us to record the first album, Grandma Nancy's, that we put out in 2012. So before that, you had, uh, it looks like two demos, and then you had Mago and Destroying Your Mother on the Bed? Yeah, that's that's the two demos, yeah. Right on. Yeah, two like uh, demo the, EPs, if you want to say, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the kind of a big gap between those two demos right like 2003 is mago and 2008 is destroying your mother on the bed yeah yeah were were you guys still in school during that time we were yeah just like we were we're all from like 87 88 so by that time we were leaving school and getting to university so maybe that's why there was a little bit of a bigger gap in there never really thought too much about that but uh but yeah i think people you know going to university and having other things to do and life kind of getting in the way, but not really because we never really stopped playing gigs. Uh, it was more that extra push that we needed from from someone that we didn't know. So, but in between that time, like in between like 2003 and 2012, that's when we released the first album, we, we were all into like supporting bands. So I think 2008, we supported Real Big Fish and Goldfinger the first time they came to Curitiba. Uh, 2006 was our first show with Les and Jake. Then we did another one in 2010. We played with uh, Streetlight Manifesto. We played with Bad Religion two times. We played with uh, Flogging Molly. We played with Rise Against. So that was all in between 2004 and 2012, 13 at that time. So we were, but even though we had that exposure by supporting big bands, no one ever, you know, came to us and said, hey, come on, let's, let's record something like you guys got something that's you know and we were just kids so we thought that would happen until the time that we said okay let's try to do it ourselves and then we went to the contest and won it and yeah that got us the the extra push that we needed so yeah so even before that big recording i mean you're playing with those those bands are all you know they're relative i've heard of a few of them uh you know (laughs) i've heard of a few of the those bands they've maybe made a name for themselves uh those are some killer bands man you guys were were killing it on stage and then you got to put out this album in 2012 and it looks like after that you've got 
another EP and, a, and another full length, both, both are dated in 2018. I don't know if that date's accurate. Did you put both of those out in 2018? No, uh, the EP, Fun in Fungus, is actually from 2014 and Welcome from 2018. Oh, you know what? Okay, I see. Uh, this is listed incorrectly. I see it now. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, so awesome and then now now and then and that brings us to now right so now yeah uh you're putting out a brand new album uh, it's out you're not putting it out it is out make yourself yep. at home and uh and and this one is out on bad time records is it yes. is it solely bad time records or is there another record label too or no exclusively through bad time records that's uh that's something that we yeah, we worked a lot to get into, and yeah, it's it's really cool to be with them. It's like, yeah, it's 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 unbelievable, really, uh, to have played together for that long time, and then now being recognized in the U.S. and being together in the same, you know, the same family as all these bands that are still making ska happen uh, somehow. So being amongst them is just yeah, it's just amazing. We feel very lucky and very blessed to be there. So I want to get into the bad time record things, but let me ask you first. Yeah. At some point after 2012, did you guys start seeing more success in the U.S., more people listening to you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so we did an 100% in, uh, independent tour in in the U.S. in 2014. So that's why we put the, uh, the EP Funners and Fungus out. Uh, yeah, once again, we were, you know, doing all these things and playing with these bands and releasing albums and even though we didn't see like anyone interested in in you know kind of working together with us for you know for a, for a higher purpose or whatever you want to call it so we just said yeah maybe it's just not maybe we're just in the wrong place right uh why don't we just get out of here for a bit let's let's see what happens and then we just yeah gathered a little bit of money uh made made some contacts in the u.s and decided to to just go just go and and, and do a an independent tour so this guy from from a, a place called florianopolis close to us uh he really helped us with that tour he booked about 10 gigs in the west coast and i think that he got in touch with a band called services which you might know um they're from Say it again i'm sorry services okay yeah so nowadays they are called Ooh, I just forgot the name. Sorry, but it, it will come to me. But yeah, they were called services at the time. Uh, Keep flying. They're called Keep flying now. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Uh, so yeah, we got in touch with them, and on the East Coast, then we supported them for another ten gigs or so. Um, so yeah, that was mostly done by Buga and by Uira. Uh, I was mainly very supportive in like, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's do this, uh, and then. The main thing that that tour brought us is getting to know the man called Brent, which is a, a very oh, yeah. big person in Scar right now. So he was the, the drummer for Services at the time. Um, so we would just tour around like he would drive the van, him and Jessica, who is his, his girlfriend. Uh, and we got to know them uh, very well and they became our, our, our very good friends. Uh, so when Brent heard that we were going to be recording Welcome, our our previous album. Uh, we sent him some demos. We sent him the, the whole album, obviously, before putting it out. And he's like, oh, you need you guys need to come here and, and release this. I'll book you the, 
the tour this time. So you're going to play to the right crowds. You're going to play in the right places. You're going to play with good bands. And by that time, I think he was tour managing Goldfinger or MXPX or something. So, so yeah, he knew he knew where to put us to play, and it was an amazing tour. So, so there was these two tours in the US that obviously we still think that touring is the best is the best way to to gain more people to um, to follow you and and to be true fans, other than than just doing uh, online promoting. Uh, and then obviously getting to know Brent even better for, for the second time that we went there. He also put us in touch with with Mike from Bed Re- from Bedtime Records. Um, so yeah, he's he's a very uh, a, a big gift that life put in a way, Mr. Brent. I uh, I don't know Brent personally, but I've I, yeah. I'm we're in a lot of the same circles, you know, on social media and stuff like that, and. Yeah, uh, he's always been very kind in the few interactions that we've had. So I'm not at all surprised to hear that he was so so good to you guys and and just as a really killer dude. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to to hear. Um, so so that sec that second tour, the first tour was like ten dates. How many dates was the second one? The second one was about eighteen. 18? So we started. Yeah, that was really crazy. We started off in Boston, then we did. Philadelphia, New York, then Detroit, Chicago, and then Oklahoma City, Texas, California, all the way up to Seattle, then down to Denver, and then back to to Boston. So it's like pretty full on. That was yeah, it was amazing. Uh, I think it was memory. 18, 18 or 20 gigs, something like that. That's a pretty good memory to be able to name all those places right in a row. Did you guys get to do yeah. any sightseeing on either of your tours, or was it all pretty much drive to gig, play, drive to gig, play? Yeah, pretty much. But we did have a couple of hours in Boston. We went to the Boston Common. Uh, we had a day in Detroit, which we went to the to the bridge that you can see Canada on the other side. Uh, we we went to to Millennium Park in in Chicago. Uh, we stayed in New York for a couple of days before the tour and a couple of days after as well. Uh, Oklahoma, we drank a lot with with the guys from uh, from the band that we played in there. Uh, big news, Ska, they're, they're really great guys. Um, and we got to go to the Back to the Beach Festival when we were in California as well. Uh, half a day in Portland, uh, half a day in Seattle as well. We went to see Kurt Cobain's house. So yeah, we could we could do some stuff. Oh, uh, Salt Lake City, we had a whole day in there. That was, that was really cool. We went up the mountains and had some snow fight and that kind of stuff. So it's great. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm glad you got to see some stuff. I yeah. uh, um, I gotta say, you mentioned Texas, and as a Texan, I was glad to hear that because nice. uh, my last episode was with uh, Mr. Kingpin, uh, mm-hmm. Johnny Bravo, and we were talking about we got to get some more of these great killer ska bands here in the Dallas area. Yeah, um, I know a lot of bands. Uh, a lot of bands come to Dallas. We're we're, you know, we're lucky with that. There, te- Texas is a huge state, and yeah. A lot of people have to drive a lot further than us for shows. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> also, a lot of bands go to Austin, uh, which is about four hours away. So yeah, yeah, we went uh, Austin and we played Sky by Sky West on the 20, uh, 2018 tour, Dallas, and then we went to Austin. And the first time we played San Antonio and Austin. Yeah, that was it. Nice, awesome. Yeah. So. Uh, and it was great. Texas was was great to us. Yeah, 
Uh, the Austin gigs weren't that big, but Sky by Sky West was amazing, and San Antonio was pretty was pretty cool as well. It was, it was great. Yeah, and that's see, that's another thing I've not yet done. Sky by Sky West this last year's was postponed because of COVID, yeah. um, and that would have been the first one I went to. But it's uh, supposed to be in the spring, and so I'm I'm hoping because uh, there's so many good ska bands I haven't seen yet. Yeah, it was late April when we were there. I I want to say. Yeah, yeah, late April. Yeah. So your the new album. So you've already you've already talked about how you connected with Bad Time. So yep. the new album, so killer from the very beginning. The energy, the drive's great. Uh, the the it sounds great, like all the way through. Um, th- I put this album on, and I was like, this is an album I would have listened to like nonstop when I first got into punk and ska back in the '90s, and it's one Amazing. I would listen to now. Uh, so tell me a little bit about making this album and about the title and about kind of what you guys were thinking as you were, you know, recording these songs. Uh, so, uh, most, most of the songs were written during the pandemic. Uh, so maybe a couple of them or three of them were written before the pandemic, but they were all kind of edited during the pandemic. So I think they all have this very intimate kind of introspective feeling to them uh, because of obvious reasons. Everyone was just at home doing their own thing. Uh, and it was really hard to to get away from, from your own bubble and how that made you feel about, about everything in, in life, really. Uh, I wasn't living in Brazil at the time, but being Brazilian and, you know, being connected on social media with Brazilians all the time, I know how the situation was there. And it was just inevitable that there was going to be a couple or a few political songs in in this album because uh, it was really tough and our our lack of leadership was was just unbelievable. It was something that will probably stick with us for for a long time. Um, and it was great to have that opportunity as well to go and just you know just be mad about it because uh, I think we we. A lot of times we we hide our madness in this in this time, especially when you don't want to share madness into the already very very mad social media kind of uh, environment because it's just not worth it. And then having art and having music to do that is is a great way. So I think we were just literally just pouring our hearts out about. For me, it was a lot about relationship and about distance as well. So looking at everything from a distance here, everything that was happening to people I love in Brazil and not being able to be there with them yeah, and not being able to, to do anything about it. Um, so that made me think a lot about my, you know, my loving relationships, my family, my friendship relationships as well, every kind of them and, the, and what distance does to it. Um, and I could see from, from, Eduardo and from Buga, they are the two other songwriters in the band. That they they went really deep on on their songwriting as well because well we've been writing songs together for a long time now and and we had a different approach for this. Basically, the main difference from this album to the other ones is that we really spent a lot of time uh, on the lyrics side of things. So we would meet just to discuss lyrics and just to edit lyrics. So 
after we had a first draft or after we had an idea, we did at least like three to four, like four or five hours, three to four times, four or five hour sessions just to discuss the lyrics, you know, looking at very, very minimal details, like the pronouns, like, you know, like who's the you in the story, who's the me in the story, who's the he in the story. Um, how are we going to convey all of this just so both Brazilian audience and the US audience are going to understand, you know, if it's going to be interesting enough for 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 both of, of the crowds that are going to uh, both audiences that we're going to listen. Um, so that was the most interesting part of the songwriting and of the process of the album for me. Uh, the rest is it's very natural to us at the moment, uh, like you know, structuring the song and coming up with melodies especially have always been a, a very strong uh, characteristic of especially Buga and Du. And I like a lot of the editing part myself. Um, so those came very naturally. Then we added, uh, obviously, a lot of lyrics into it. And then, well, you hear what you hear. So we were very, 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 very happy with, with the results. And and yeah, I think that's it. Anything else that I might not have talked about? Well, let me let me ask you. I, and I, I thought to ask this earlier, and I I kind of got off track in my in my brain. But yep. was there ever when you guys started a question about whether you guys were going to write in English or Portuguese? Oh yeah, I think it was just very natural to to just go for English. Uh, we all listened to to these bands that I mentioned from from you know, from kids or from, from when we were teenagers. And the first songs that we wrote together in 2002, they just came out naturally in English. And well, looking back now, I think we always had this getting out of Brazil in mind. So that's why we, we just, you know, we just stuck to it. We just thought that that was the right thing to do. We tried to to write a few songs in Portuguese. None of them really got, you know, into in, into our hearts, to be honest. And we're like, yeah, maybe we just, yeah, we just think it's it's more natural to, to write songs in English, really. And now and now it makes sense because obviously we are expanding our right. our audience to to outside of Brazil as well. So that's it's good that we had a lot of time to practice before yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> So my other question that kind of to go off of what you were talking about with all the COVID stuff is, you know, here in the United States, we often, uh, we, we're a very proud nation uh, uh, for better or for worse. We're a very proud nation. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think that a lot of times we're very unaware of what's happening in pretty much every country, but our own, like we're not, very knowledgeable about what's going on in the world. So like for us, we have our understanding of what happened with COVID, but we may not have a very good grasp of what was going on in Brazil. And then I'd also, so I'd be interested for you to kind of, you know, fill us in a little bit on that. And then also like, how was your experience in London? What was it like there yeah. in, in England compared to your friends in Brazil? Cause I'm sure you guys were swapping stories about what COVID was like yeah. for you guys. And it was probably vastly different. Yes, it was massively different. Um, so basically, as we were talking before this, COVID started, you know, in a world, a worldly kind of, you know, measure around March 2020. So 
I think that it wasn't until like February 2021 that, that people started getting, uh, or maybe December 2020, that people started getting vaccinated in Brazil. Uh, so there was a lot of of just ignorance from from Bolsonaro, from our president of like, you know, he used to make fun of, of the virus. He used to just just go on the media and just say that it's all bullshit, that it's all a lie and that people shouldn't trust whatever is going on, that it was not going to get to Brazil, that it was going to be fine, that it was just like a, a, a small flu, like, you know, like a little flu, like anything else that we shouldn't be. Uh, we shouldn't be concerned about anything. That everything was going to be fine, and even with the with the growing numbers, uh, people a lot of people dying. He he kept his narrative. He just he just kept going, almost as out of pure pride. He's just like, no, I started this. I'm going to finish this, right? Uh, yeah. So he just kept it going. Uh, and one of the you know one of the things that you can see is that uh, he went to to New York for. Uh, for a conference uh, with basically all the world leaders all around the world. And he was the only person not vaccinated in there, or the only leader of the whole world not vaccinated in there. So that proves like how the, the amount of like non, of, like that he doesn't care really. He doesn't care about what's going on and he doesn't care about other people. And yeah, he would literally make fun of, you know, the fact that people are dying and he 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 didn't care. He would say that oh it's it's all old people like you know like that's not we're not really losing much and that kind of stuff. So which he's is just, a horrible thing to he's say. Just a, yeah, he's just a horrible human being, right? Uh, since day one, yeah, we, we everyone could see that, but it was a, a a whole kafafo going on politically in Brazil. So he got elected for 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 you know terrible reasons and well. At least that's my opinion. You know, I just think he's a terrible human being and he shouldn't be in charge of a country. And that proved to be right during the pandemic because he's literally considered the worst leader in the world by the whole world. So, so it's not just me saying it's, it's everyone else. Right. Uh, whilst in London, uh, things were very strict at some points, which I think it was a good thing because uh, when when the virus was quite kind of out of control, uh, it was a good thing that uh, we had to be kept at home. Otherwise, it was going to be madness as well. Um, and then obviously at some point you can see a lot of how politics act on it, how money act on it. So you can see, for example, this year and around June, a lot of music festivals, outdoor music festivals for 2,000 people would be cancelled whilst they were going to have in, uh, a football match for 60,000 people in a stadium that is like, you know, half outdoors or not really because people are just very close to, to each other. Uh, so a, a few things like just make you question it all. But yeah, it's just the way the, that our system works and it's, it's, it's just really sad. But uh, I think that in a, in a general sense, uh, the UK government took good care of it. Like, you know, I had, I know people, I know this is not a general situation, but I've had an okay help like financially from the government until like last month. Uh, you could, you could get help. So about a year and a half of, you know, a little bit of money in your pocket uh, because you have to be at home. And they try to, to come up with some, some ways of getting people out again. Some of them worked, some of them didn't work. 
once again, it's 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 a big discussion. But in my opinion, I think that because I am from Brazil and I could see how things were being treated in there, it makes me feel very very lucky to be uh, in the UK instead of Brazil in a time like this. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting in the United States, you know, uh, one, we've kind of had two presidents during this. Yep. Um, and they had very different perspectives on how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and additionally, even from state to state, it's so different how each state views it. So um, I, I I live in a state that I'm not 100% uh, behind the way that they've uh, supported it. You know, we're in the top three states for the most deaths and uh, and oh, really? most hosp- hospitalizations and yeah. some of that has to do just with we have a massive population but mm-hmm. a, a, a lot of it too is just that we've not really handled things well in fact i would say that there are other states that maybe are higher than us that have handled it better than us they just have a b- bigger population yep but let's uh talk about something less less uh less depressing let's talk yeah about let's go for it all, all these uh music videos you guys are putting out and you've got music yeah. videos and lyric videos and uh all kinds of fun uh to to watch if you love the tracks you get to actually have a, a visual so what uh which one was your favorite what was your what was the, the most fun to do Ooh. uh well we did i must say it's not the one that i um the lead singer in uh it was uh set us free which is our third single uh it was just an amazing night in so we recorded the whole album in a country house that a friend of ours owns close to curitiba and like in, in the outskirts of curitiba like 25 minutes from from curitiba and we have this this pine trees and we have this uh, we call them araucarias which is the like the symbol from 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 the sea and it was a beautiful like end of the afternoon and evening. And we were just there with this huge spotlight, like this size. And that was all we had, like a good camera and a huge spotlight and just pitch black outside. So, and then all of us did an individual take for that. After we did the band take, we did an individual take. And we were all just sitting in like beach uh, beach chairs just watching one of us perform in front of the camera and it was just amazing and when when we finished like everyone was just clap and we were all a little bit high and you know like it's just like it was an amazing time yeah so that one was was my favorite I'll always remember like we together uh, at that point uh, but the first one uh, do we need a sign was 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 very very nice as well so we did uh, in just one take so you can see that uh, we go the camera just the camera turns on in the first image and just keeps going up until the oh, all the way through uh, through the music video. So we had to choreograph everything and we had to record 37 takes until we got the one. Wow. So that was yeah, that was very challenging as well. It was it was a challenging way to, to make a video. And the result is amazing. Like, yeah, we just love uh, we worked with these two friends of ours from from Curitiba that they're great directors and great with the cameras as well. And the other one is uh, it's the the Cattle Life one uh, that is basically an animation, uh, and it's one of the best animations that I've ever seen. And it represents really well what happened uh, in Brazil during COVID. Um, and yeah, I would just recommend everyone to to watch this. Uh, the three of them, obviously, but especially the animation one is um, if you want to understand a little bit more about 
how we feel about our president. That's the one to go to. <laughs> <laughs> the other two are very like uh, Sentence Free is very artistic. It's you know like uh, just black and white, and this this very artistic kind of takes very uh, yeah very. That's very nice, yeah. And the and do we need a side was more challenging on on the choreographing thing, and it was it was really fun to to record. I love when bands put out, put out lots of videos for their for their albums. I know it's not always a a cost effective thing to do, but I love yeah. when they do it, especially when they're so different, because you get like just so many different flavors. and And I love you know you talking about this you know political animation, uh, because if there's one thing that punk rock and ska punk you know has always been it's a little bit political you know so yeah yeah uh, that's you know it's the roots you can't you can't not be mm -hmm. um so okay so i i don't know if i've ever said this in my podcast before but i am actually half portuguese um really all right yeah. so on my dad's side my dad's family's from portugal from the azores mm -hmm. um and uh, I do not speak the language, neither did, neither did my dad. He, he, he said that his parents wouldn't let him learn Portuguese. And he always knew he was in trouble when they spoke Portuguese around him. So, um, so I always wanted to learn Portuguese. I went to a Bible college in Dallas and there was a lot of Brazilians there. And uh, I made friends with several of them and they would try and help me to learn Portuguese a little bit. So I learned, you know, the basics like, oi, como vai, bem e você? Yeah, and nice. that, that kind of stuff. But they would also like tell me stuff to go up and say there'd be some girls that worked in the cafeteria that were Brazilian and they'd have me go up and say stuff. And I would I'd be like, what's it mean? And they go, just say it, just say it. So I go up to this you know, girl and I'd be like, oh, you're And then she'd kind of like chuckle at me. And I was like, what did I just say? <laughs> and then, you know, like fill me in. Classic. So, uh, yeah, good, good guys all around. Uh, nice. And then I have a friend that I grew up with, like he was here for a few years with his family. And he, I, I was mentioning this. I don't know if I said it in the podcast, but I know I said it to you earlier that he's from Curitiba. And yeah. so I was like, OK, man, fill me in. What do I need to know from Curitiba if I'm going to uh, talk to this band that's from here? And uh, he specifically gave me a few a few pointers. So I'm going to throw out some of the stuff that he was trying to teach me to say. Uh, he said that I should call you uh, P.S. Piaz. Piaz. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I messed that one up a little bit, but yeah, that's fine. Uh, uh, that I guess that's specific to Curitiba. Yes, that's very specific to Curitiba. A few other. Uh, I think it's. So we are the third state from from bottom to top, right? So the third state in the south, and I think a few other cities in the second state, and maybe in the first one they do say Piaz as well, but it's. Yeah, I'd say 90% uh, very, very from Curitiba. Curitibano, as we say. And and Piaz is just like saying dudes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's a unique way to say to say dudes. <laughs> and, and then he said specifically, he said that I, I should talk to you about how in Curitiba it's it's called Vina instead of Salsicha. <laughs> Wait, that is very specific knowledge. It's good that you know that by now, because <laughs> if you ever meet someone else from Curitiba, just go with Vina and they will be very amazed. Uh, yeah, that's that's something that I've literally never seen anyone say anywhere else in the world, not only in Brazil, but yeah, like Vina. I have no idea where it comes from. I have this theory that is from, there's this type of sausage called Vienna, 
Right. So maybe that got, you know, maybe that's some some misunderstanding on the way. And it, it kind of looks like we like a hot dog. Uh, but yeah, maybe it's, it's just me. It's just a theory of, of mine. But, but yeah, it's it's cool. I think it's some of the stuff that gives your your hometown, like, you know, some personality. Uh, so, yeah, if you say Piao, if you say Vina, they, well, if you say Vina, most of the places were like, what? What are you saying? But if you say Pia, like a lot of people know that that is a, a thing from Curitiba. So, and we can't stop saying it for some reason. So, it's it's just natural, you know. It's it, like you would say, dude, uh, all the time. We say, oh, pia, oh, pia, oh, pia, pia. We say it for everything. So, yeah. I growing growing up here in in Dallas. Uh, so I went to Germany my sophomore year uh, in high school, just on a, a visit. I had a brother that was stationed there in the military, brother-in-law, and uh, we met this guy in Dachau concentration camp and. When he asked where I was from, I said I was from Texas. And he was like, oh, Bonanza. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and yep. if you're a teenage kid from like a suburb in Dallas-Fort Worth, you do not want anyone to associate you with riding horses. But everyone thinks we're like yep. cowboys and ride horses. Yeah. Right. So when I got to that Bible college, there were so many people from all over the world. There was one guy who was like, we can figure out where you're from in the United States based on your accent. And I was like, I don't have an accent. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So he was like, you are trickier, but we can figure it out. Two days later, he came back and I was like, I know where you're from. And I was like, where am I from? He said, you're from here. And I was like in Dallas. And I was like, you're right. How'd you figure it out? And he goes, two things. One, you say y'all. And I was mm. like, I, I do say y'all. Like, <laughs> And again, at that point in my life, it was like a great shame to me because... <laughs> I love punk rock and y'all is a country word, man. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the other thing was, he was like, the other thing is you say fixin' to. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, like I'm fixing to go to bed. And I was like, I, yeah, everybody says that. He's like, no, no. <laughs> that is not everybody that is here. So all right, it's funny how those Good little enough. things really define where we're from, you know? Yeah, definitely. No shame in that. No shame at all. Just, yeah, just go with it. Right. It's part of who we are so yeah why not and 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 i think those two are the 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 great things that we get to pass you know you said you, you'll never stop saying pia so you get to pass yeah. that down to your kids and and yep. Vina and and uh there'll be some you know if, if you choose to have kids whatever there'll be some portuguese kids in england that say Vina and nobody else yep. anywhere between there and Curitiba. <laughs> yeah so. what are you talking about what's Vina? yeah Vina is one of the things that uh, if i look at a uh, a hot dog sausage. I can't call it sausage. I just call it vina, because salsicha in Portuguese would like doesn't make sense. That is a vina. That's not a, a salsicha. Anyway, <laughs> and I'll it. tell you one of my favorite moments. One of the moments when I felt at home in ska during COVID too was, uh, and I mentioned this in a recent episode, I think, but uh, uh, one of the slackers uh, did a video early on of him making linguisa, and. Yep. He was just sitting, cooking up some linguisa and talking about music, had music playing, and then he'd play some songs. And I was like, oh, man, I feel welcome. I feel like this is my yeah. people. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, um, it is a very uh, a very supportive scene, uh, supportive community, right? Yeah, I feel, I feel that all the time, which is great. Yeah. Very embracing. Well, speaking of supportive, one of the questions I always ask uh, as as I'm transitioning from Scott to talking a little bit about books, 
is I oh, always yeah. ask uh, if there was one band that you think has not gotten enough love, like you get to shout this ska band out and say, everyone should check out this band. And it can be a band that doesn't exist anymore, an older band. Uh, hopefully we can get a hold of some of their music. Or it can be a band that is playing right now and you just wish people knew who they were uh, more. Who who would be that band for you? Well, um, since I've been here in London, I heard about this band. Uh, and then two years ago or in the beginning of 2018, I had the opportunity of meeting one of one of the members to discuss about Abrascadabra coming over uh, to the UK. And a few months later, I was a member of the band. And that band is called the Popes of Chili Town. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of Popes of Chili Town? I have, yeah. Okay, yeah. So now I play with the Popes of Chili Town. Uh, and they are an amazing band. And I don't know how well, how recognized they are in, in the US or, or in Brazil or anywhere else but the UK. Because here in the UK, um, it's pretty big. Uh, we play all around the country. We we play like very very nice festivals, banging with with banging, uh, supporting other other very big bands and stuff. But I say that they definitely deserve the recognition outside of the UK as well, because they are amazing musicians and they're they're great people, and they've been in the scene for quite a while as well, like you know twelve years or fourteen years, and. And yeah, they they've been putting on the scar, you know, the scar tunes and the scar party for a long time, and and it would be great to to hear more people hearing about them and listening to to the music because it's really good. Uh, before I joined the band, I thought it was really good, and I'm like, on the first gig that I went from uh, the pops were were playing, I was I was looking at them like. I think I'm gonna play in this band for some reason. They're they're really good. They're banging. Like this show is so good. And then a few a few months later, I was I was, I was in the studio with them. So that that was great. And it's not because I am in the band, but I think they're amazing, and people should check them out. So since you've been in the band, is there one? Is there like a track that you're like, oh man, I can't wait to play? Like every time you get to play it, you get hyped up. Oh, there's there's a few. I think my favorite uh, is called "To the Moon." Uh, "To the Moon" is, is the name of the album. Sorry. So, um, and the 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 song is called. What's the song called again? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just, we just we just call it uh, "Vamos Vamos a la Luna." Yeah, of course, it's it's the Spanish version of "To the Moon." That's how, what the song is called. We just call it "Vamos," but I was I was trying to remember remember the the full name of the song. So Vamos a la Luna is the, is the full name of the song. And that song, every time we play live, um, it's usually the one that we, we close the set with. And it's got such a great energy. Uh, and it just, it's one of those moments in which I just, when I'm playing that song with them, like I just don't know where I am because it just gets me transported to somewhere else. And I know it does the same to them because we've, you know, it's just that energy on stage and we, you can see uh, it translated into the crowd as well, and it's it's just it's it's a very it's a very nice moment of our our weekends in here is playing that song live to people. That's awesome, man. And I, I'll tell you, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, the Popes of Chili Town in Dallas either. Uh, you, right. Maybe both bands, you'd be tired, but both bands can yeah, play. Go for it. <laughs> you know, and if while you're at it, you can bring the Skints if you want from England. Just oh, bring okay. them down, <laughs> please, uh, anytime. <laughs> 
Um, so uh, I always like to talk a little bit about books. The, the, the Rudy Librarian started because I was trying to, uh, I, one, I just got my master's degree to be a librarian, a school librarian. That's that's nice. my goal. Congrats. Um, but two is I, I'm an English teacher right now, a high school English teacher. And uh, when COVID hit, I wanted to share books with my students. I've been trying to encourage them to be readers, um, hmm. which is is always been hard, but it's it's harder, I think, now than ever before. Um, and so I wanted to expose them to new books they hadn't heard. So reading is very much a part of, of who I am as the Rudy Librarian. So yeah. I always ask, are, are you into reading? Do you like to read? I do. Yeah, yeah. I do what, a lot, uh, especially there... since I've, I started my master's degree as well. I started reading much more than I did before, but I always did a, a fair bit of reading. Well, first of all, what do you get your master's degree in? Uh, I graduated as um, a master's in songwriting last oh, year. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So were you reading a lot of like biographies about songwriters and a lot of like, was a lot of technical stuff? What was? Yeah, yeah. The bulk of my research for, for my final project was in therapeutic songwriting. So okay. yeah, I read a lot about that. And with that came, yeah, a few biographies, a few things about uh, states of consciousness, states of flow. Um, so yeah, a few technical things, and I love biographies from uh, from musicians as well because there's always something that you don't know about those musicians that just blow your mind, and you're like, oh, I can start doing that, and then you do only that for a while, and then you you start mixing it with with other people that you, oh, I can do that as well, and then yeah, it just becomes a, a very nice blend of of different ideas. Uh, that go along with your own ideas, but it, it's always nice to learn new new ways of thinking about music and, and life in general, to be honest. Yeah, I'm a huge, I love biographies and, and, and in biographies, probably musicians' biographies are the ones I'm most drawn to. And for me, I'm, so I have a guitar hanging behind me. Uh, yep. I feel like a bit of a poser. I'm not a guitar player. I want to be, <laughs> I'm, I plan on learning it at some point. I play a little bit of bass, but definitely not well enough to play in a ska band um because you got to be really good to play bass in a ska band oh, yeah oh yeah uh but um but i love reading those biographies a lot of times because and it's it's kind of like it's kind of the lie that social media tells you too when you read a biography about a musician you feel like you know them yeah and 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 it's sort of in a, a way for me i always feel like it makes their music that much more special because yep. i know what they went through to get to that song i know you know, all the years that it took to get there, you know, and that, that makes, that makes it more meaningful. Yes. Very true. Yeah. It just make, make you feel part of, of a few of their stories as well. Right. So yeah, it's amazing. Do you have a favorite uh, biography that you read? Uh, Paul McCartney has always been a very, yeah, a very inspirational person for me. So I probably read like two or three different ones from him. Uh, but the last one that I read was pretty interesting was from Sting, uh, oh, from yeah. the police, obviously. And um, I think just the way that the book starts, it, it got me straight away into into it because uh, it starts in, in Brazil. That's one of the reasons. Oh, and it yeah, starts with true. Sting going into an ayahuasca ceremony in Brazil before he started his first uh, solo tour, like, you know, like huge stadium tour. And... And I did the ayahuasca uh, journey as well once, and it, it just connected me straight away with with what he was feeling, and he was trying to uh, to get through like losing his dad, I think, and 
and yeah, it's just it's just nice to see uh, that he felt like exactly the same things as I felt when I when I was going through the same thing. Uh, the ayahuasca, I, I didn't lose my dad, fortunately. Uh, but yeah, it's just you know the same same feelings and same insecurities and same uh, same experience really. Uh, and then from there, it's just like yeah, just learning his story and how he grew up here in the UK. And you know, there's a lot of stuff about north uh, the north of the UK and then London. So yeah, I was really into it all the all the way through. Is is ayahuasca like a native people or is it? Ayahuasca I... is is like a brew. Is like a a, a tea, like a brew. Um, that they okay. call it like a medicine for the soul. So it's a very psychedelic, um, very psychedelic substance that kind of reconnects you to to your to the roots of your soul, kind of thing. So okay. I've yeah, heard the word. But... Really, yeah, it takes you really far away from this world, and then you learn a lot when you're out there, and then when you're back, you try to you try to implement it in your in your day to day. Okay, very cool. Yeah. So other than like music biographies and stuff, is there are there certain kinds of books that you tend to be drawn to, or do you have a favorite book? uh i don't have a favorite book of all time but i do have my favorite one now which is called uh on connection by k tempest so k tempest is a like a spoken word artist here from from london and they are amazing they're just like the things that they're saying about about human connection and about accepting yourself as an artist and about growing and about sharing that with people and yeah it's ultimately about human connection uh, and all the all the things that surround it when you're an artist and you you don't feel like you kind of don't feel like you belong anywhere because sometimes you're too deep or sometimes you're too weird or sometimes you're too anything but from this uh, from this standard word and and yeah they they just talk about that a lot and and it really got to me that's like there's so many sections in the book that you're like, oh, this is life changing. Like this is life changing. It's like just changes your way of thinking on a daily basis and and the way you interact with people as well. Um, so yeah, just just literally just just being a better person and you know trying to trying to not get get too caught up in the in the worldly kind of deeds kind of thing. So it's an amazing book. I, I totally recommend it. I will definitely have to check that out. Yeah. I love poetry and spoken word artists, and I love uh, memoirs, and I love uh, things that just make me think about life differently. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I read a lot of fiction, obviously, but I also really yeah. enjoy that. I um, was sharing with my wife this morning, uh, this morning, this evening, right before we came on. Uh, I've started reading a book by a young adult author named John Green. John Green's pretty well known. He he's a YouTuber, but also he wrote. The Fault in Our St Stars and Paper Towns, which have both become movies and uh, mm -hmm. Looking for Alaska has become a TV show. But the, he wrote this nonfiction book called The Anthropocene Reviewed. Okay. And it's, it's kind of like he's just uh, reviewing stuff, <laughs> like mm -hmm. as if he were writing like an Amazon review for, uh, and it's random things like s scratch and sniff stickers, Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> velociraptors uh at, at one point he like the the nathan's hot dog eating competition and he also does like uh viral meningitis you know <laughs> but, <laughs> what's it called but, again let me just write that down it's called the anthropocene reviewed anthropocene reviewed and i'm not super far into it yet but he's he's been an author that's really impacted me a lot in my life um but in the end of his introduction 
he has this part where he talks about Maurice Sendak, who wrote the children's book where the wild things are. Yep. And um, he, he, it's sort of Maurice Sendak talking about how, you know, it's, it's, it was the last interview he did before he died. And Maurice mm-hmm. Sendak is talking about how he cries a lot because he's lost people and um, because he misses them. Um, but that he's learning to fall in love with the world. And, um, and then John Green goes on to talk about how he also has been learning to fall in love with the world. And that, that doesn't mean that he doesn't feel pain or suffering, or he ignores that, but that he opens himself up to whatever the world has. And even when he feels like his, and I'm sort of paraphrasing, like his, you know, breastbone is, is, is hurting and the tears are welling up in his eyes. He chooses not to turn away from the feeling but to lean into that feeling mm-hmm. and to yep. try and live his life. And it's just so beautiful. And that's, um, Sounds I amazing. think that goes along with a lot of what we've been talking about with COVID and a yep. lot of what you're talking about with what you're seeing in the book that you love. So, yep. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, sounds like a good, a good reading. Yeah. I'll definitely check that out. So, uh, let's, let's just to wrap up here, let's talk a little bit about, uh, uh, what what people can uh, still get? Do we still have vinyl albums available? We still have a few with Bedtime Records. Uh, we still have the Yellow Variant in there, uh, and there is a few here in the UK as well. If if someone didn't get this, uh, with a distributor called Pookout Records, uh, they got a few of the variants that we had to Brazil, which is the yellow with the black splatter, and and there's the gold variant from. From Brooklyn Vegan as well. I think there's still a few of those. So in the US, you can definitely get either the the yellow or the gold one. Um, in Brazil, we are happily sold out, and the purple <laughs> splatter that Bad Time had well, is is sold out as well. Uh, so yeah, we're thinking about a second press now, and let's see how that will go. So hopefully, soon enough, we're gonna get more more of them. I tell you what, I uh, I'm a vinyl collector. And I, whenever I buy an album, I always get like, oh, this is a great variant. I love it. It's so beautiful. I buy it. And then they go, and (laughs) here's, you know, the second pressing. And I'm like, oh, man, (laughs) look at that one. (laughs) I I can't buy a second one. I should just, (laughs) I love this one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's always, and Bad Time Records makes some beautiful variants. So they do. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like that with the uh, We Are the Union because they had like four pressings so far, and each one of them was like just amazing. Like, oh look at that! Oh look at that! Oh look at that one! Yeah, it's great. yeah, yeah. Every every time I was like, should I have waited? But I do. I love my variant of the We Are the Union album too, and that's a killer album. Right. Which one did you get from from Abercadabra? Is it the for Ab- from Abercadabra? I have not yet purchased my Abercadabra one. All right, go for I, it. I am, I, I am going to purchase one. I don't know if I'm going to get the yellow or wait till the second pressing. I, I hate to wait because if there's not a second pressing, if, if that ends yeah, up not I, happening. Um, but uh, yeah, we've I haven't yet haven't yet got it. I've 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 posted about it. I've told people about it. I've encouraged yeah, people yeah, to buy yeah. it. All the yeah, while, I just hoping... assumed that you had it because you know, obviously you're talking very fondly of the album. So, but yeah, but yeah, go for it. Or well, as as I said, we're talking about it, but let's see. Probably, well, hopefully, there's going to be a second pressing because obviously we want to have some for when we we're allowed to tour again. We want to have some vinyl to to sell as as a merch. So, 
uh, and we're planning big things for next year. So we need, yeah, some vinyl will be good. Yeah. I hope those big things bring you to Dallas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> me too. So I want to say thank you for coming on. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and yep. I, I'm going to end with something a little different than I've ended with before. Um, and that is um, because something happened today where I live. Um, yep. So I, I live in Dallas and I work in a school district and about uh, in a neighboring school district today, there was a school shooting. And Oh my God. Sorry to hear about that. Yeah. Um, it, there was a fight and in that fight it grew into a school shooting and uh, four students were injured. Um, as far as I know, no one was, was killed. Uh, the student Good to hear. fled and what the student who, who did the shooting fled and was later uh, taken into custody. Um, my state, I try usually not to get real political on my podcast just because I am a teacher and I can, mm -hmm. get, uh, you know, I worry sometimes about having a, you know, we're not really allowed to voice our opinions about certain things, but, yep. um, but at the same time, um, recently, first of all, we're the second highest number of school shootings in the country. Uh, the state of Texas is the country, the United States, from what I understand has more school shootings than any other country in the world mm -hmm. by a lot. Yep. Um, this year in 2021 alone, uh, I looked this up this morning and that, that I don't think it included today's shooting there have already been 25 school shootings in Texas alone this oh my year. God. Um, and that has us as the, the state with the second most school shootings, uh, only behind Illinois, which had like 50 something school shootings. Oh, wow. Um, this year, just 2021 so far. Um, and recently our state also passed some legislation that uh, enabled open carry where anyone can carry a gun and they don't have to have a license or permit at all. Um, and, um, I think it's safe to say, I, I don't necessarily agree with all that legislation, but for me, the most important thing is that we cannot continue to have this many school shootings and not do something about it. Um, and so something needs to change. Um, just like with good punk rock and good ska, um, I want to encourage us as anyone who's listening to this and myself to, get involved and and work towards change so we can stop worrying about sending our kids to school. Um, my daughter, uh, my son is in third grade, my daughter's in first. And last year in kindergarten, my daughter came home very scared because we have to have, um, we have to have school shooting drills now where we teach the kids how to hide um, mm. if, a, if a shooting happens. And we've been doing it since I've been a teacher, which this is my 11th year. Um, and that's a scary thing, but for a kindergartner to be taught, okay, we got to go in here and be very quiet in case someone's in our school shooting at us. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's terrifying and yeah. it's, it's not the way that any kid should grow up. Definitely not. So, uh, I hate to put a drag on the end of this, but I just wanted to take a second and, and, and talk about that and just encourage you guys to get involved, especially in upcoming elections and, uh, vote for people who are going to make a difference. Now, man, go for it. Yeah, you, you have this, you know, you have this channel here to to expose this idea. So good thing that you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. great. Uh, thank you so much. I I am going to order myself one of those vinyl. I'm not waiting for nice the second one. pressing. <laughs> uh, I got no I got a check coming soon, 
Um, I'm going to order myself a copy of that. I've, honestly, I've been fighting it for so long. Um, <laughs> there's a, a, I, sometimes I have to get my wife's permission because maybe I buy a little too much vinyl. <laughs> I know how that is. I know how that but, goes. But uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order me a copy of that. I encourage all you guys to order a copy of the vinyl. And thank you so much. You guys check out Abrascadabra. Thank you, mate. Like, I really appreciate your support. And in the name of Abrascadabra, I, we all thank you very much for, for your interest in the band and, and, you know, for all the kind words. And I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Thank you, man. That's it for this week's podcast, but I hope you'll come back and check out the next podcast as I continue to interview the guests, both uh, ska guests and literary guests that have inspired me and gotten me more and more into the scene. Until then, thanks for hanging out here with the Rudy Librarian.